is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 474, recorded Thursday, March 5th, 2020. It sure is. Welcome to the program, everybody, and welcome to the program, Jason. How are you doing tonight? Uh, not too bad. Is it the Ides of March yet? That's like the end of March, right? I I feel like we go through this every single March for 10 years now. You think we'd now? remember. I know it's in like a, in like a lamb out like a lion, or in like a lion out like a lamb. <laughs> But we went in like a lamb, so it's going out like a lion. Are you sure? Sounds like you're not sure. I'm sure. It's one, it's, you go in like one and out like the other. So we, it was nice weather coming into March, so it's going to be crappy, awful going coming out of March. Okay. Well, I look forward to some crappy, awful weather at the end of March. By then I'll be back from Florida, and hopefully the weather in Florida is really nice. I would, uh, I would think so. I hope so. Uh, anyways, we'll talk more about that later. What we are going to do tonight, of course, is listener feedback about the last episode of The Walking Dead. And even before that, as always, I want to bring everyone's attention to the number of eyeballs on the show this week. Divided by two. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, roughly. (laughs) (laughs) Roughly. (laughs) Uh, but there was 3.16 million viewers. 3.16. That's down a little bit? It is. Last week was 3.52. Oh, that's down a lot. Yeah, it's it's a fair bit when you're, you know, considering these these numbers, but 3.16, it is what it is. Um I I don't worry about the ratings like I used to. And 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 I didn't even used to worry about them that much, but uh 3.16. It's not bad. That's okay. It sure is. Yeah, and the average number of eyeballs that everybody has is less than two. Well, because nobody has more than two, right? That's right. Well, I'm probably not. I don't recall ever hearing that or seeing that. Or As long as we're talking I, about humans. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Humans. Flies, on the other hand, they got lots of eyeballs. Lots, lots. Bees, wasps. Do wasps have a lot of eyeballs? I think so. I don't know. They're pretty scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't really take a good look last time I saw one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I have a feeling they they do. All right, well, let's uh, dive into our feedback then. Let's just get her going. Surely. Listener feedback. First item here comes from our friend Designer Will, and Designer says, I was impressed with this week's episode. While I have mixed feelings about how injured Alpha and Daryl were, and then after a few hours they seemed pretty damn near revived. Additionally, how Gamma wasn't trusted, then trusted, then not trusted, then she and Rosita seemed like best buds in the end. That just was far too rushed. However, I enjoyed much of the rest of the show, especially the sequence in which Beta crawled out of the grave and was set up by, that was set up by Dante. Absolutely everything about that sequence through Beta's killing spree was just so amazing. It felt lifted from a modern take on a classic zombie horror, and I'll probably go back and rewatch it. There was just enough information for me to know exactly what was going on as a viewer without a Scooby-Doo explanation. Oh, good. So nobody's mask was pulled off and revealed to be somebody else. Well, I mean, that's exactly what happened at the beginning with Gamma, right? She pulled her own mask off, uh-huh. which was very rubbery, uh, and then tossed it on the ground, That's which a, was very telling. It is, yeah. It's, it's sort of her tossing the Whisperer persona away, right? But you're right, it did look pretty rubbery. <laughs> 
not <laughs> very supple for uh, you know they really know how to cure dead people's faces to to keep them nice and supple and comfortable. Well, they've had time to practice, I think you know, so they've they've got it down. And, and, so, anyways, and I think when I started that, I said uh, designer will, and I called him designer. <laughs> designer says designer wrote yeah <laughs> well how, you don't know that's not his name oh it is i've met him in real life <laughs> oh and he said his name is will uh i mean did I you call him will yeah i suppose i don't know for sure that's not his real name but i'm did pretty, you see his id pretty sure it's more of an occupation than a first name <laughs> well you're making a big assumption there maybe you know he just thought you were calling him by his last name when you called him will that's i suppose that's true but you know some people do that so, yeah, we don't know. I mean, you, I mean, you can assume, but you know what happens when you assume? You're an idiot. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Keep going. Uh, so Scooby-Doo, right? Scooby-Doo explanation. I've told you about Scooby-Doo, right? How it's a dystopian future. You, I don't believe you have. No? Okay. Scooby-Doo takes place in a, uh, uh, a dystopian future where the economy has collapsed and uh, all the rich people of the world are... Uh, you know, scrambling to try and uh, uh, to make it in life. And what they do is they pretend to be monsters and then Scooby-Doo gang uh, comes in and saves them. Hmm. That's quite the interpretation of that show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, it, yes, it's, it's a far future, uh, very dystopian. And, you know, dogs learn how to sort of semi-talk. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the most shocking part. They can semi-talk. <laughs> yeah. Same with Flintstones. Flintstones takes place in the far future as well, where society's collapsed and they've gone back to the Stone Age. Right. Why else would you need a dishwasher or a TV or anything like that made out of rocks? Yeah, so because they're- that's how they remember history. It's like, oh, we need this thing, but we don't have the technology to make this thing, so we'll pretend to make it. And then freaking genetically engineered animals, come on. Yeah, they seem to have some interesting technology in the Flintstones, so clearly it's in the future after the fall of society. Yes, and the Jets, Jetsons are actually a prequel to The Simpsons. Or not The Simpsons, The uh, Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe The Simpsons, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it goes to Jetsons and then The Flintstones. Right. The Jetsons is just pre-fall of society. Flintstones comes after. That's correct. Okay. All right. So, so on that note, uh, next we have a call from Anwin. Hi, Chris and Jason. Well, I was absolutely thrilled for myself and for you, Jason, that there was no cave action whatsoever. Fantastic. And it was very exciting to see the extreme cliche of the hand reaching up out of the grave. That was fantastic. Um, Beta in the house was so horror movie. I knew that Judith would shoot him, um, but the vest was a little bit of a surprise. Did we know that... Beta wears a Kevlar vest. Seems a little bit high-tech for the Whisperers. Um, and then also, did we know that there was a doctor at Hilltop? Um, everybody going off at the end of the episode to Hilltop and Rosita just saying, oh, I'll get the doctor to check me out. I'm not sure if we actually knew there was one there or not. I might have forgotten. She maybe um, doesn't need to see him for that little scratch on her arm. And I think Daryl probably needs it more for the um, arterial bleeding that is happening there anyway <clears throat> nice action-packed episode and i really enjoyed it this week i was on the edge of my seat and i thought it was really well done bye thanks anwin is there a doctor at hilltop i assumed there was i thought that's where the doctor group was well i mean we lost sadiq recently he was a doctor 
Dante was yeah. a doctor. Turned out he was also an asshole. Um, and Enid's long dead. Like, you, as we know, Dr. Denise is long dead. As we know, doctors are just killed off on this show like mad. So who's who's doctoring right now? Somebody new. Well, maybe. that would be the only place for a doctor because uh, Dante's dead and uh, Sadiq is dead. So that's all of uh, Alexandria's doctors mm-hmm. gone, right? So the, if there is a doctor, that he's in Hilltop. Well, I guess so. Or, or Oceanside, potentially. Yeah. She probably doesn't need, uh, you know, that looked at. No, as Anne would say. a little scratch, just because she was unconscious for a while, but pff, it happens. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Exactly. Well, and, you know, of course, Daryl could use a doctor, but he's stuck out there with Lydia, who I guess has some doctor skills because she patched him yeah. up somehow. Yeah, put dirt on that uh, arterial bleeding. Right. That that uh, major artery in your leg is spewing blood. You know, pack it with mud. Pack it with full of dirt. It'll heal right up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know, maybe when um, the kingdom kind of folded and everybody merged in, I feel like maybe they brought some medically trained people with them. Maybe that's where it came from. Oh, maybe. Okay. Well, if there's a doctor we're forgetting, which there's, you know, a good chance that that's happened, um, I'm sure someone will let us know. Otherwise, we can assume that there's a doctor over there. Yeah. So, and and also, uh, uh, Beta was wearing the, uh, the vest that he got from the first two guys he killed. They were putting on, uh, like when he got into Alexandria, uh, the first two guys when he was in, when he turned out the light, and killed those two guys in the first house, one of the guys was putting on armor and that's the armor he was wearing. But we don't, do we see him put that armor on? No, but okay. the texture is the same. It, it's the, it's, it was the same armor. It wasn't like a, a true Kevlar vest. It was makeshift armor uh, that looked a lot like the stuff the first guy was putting on. Right. So in actual fact, it would have been totally ineffective stopping a shot from a that kind of gun at that range, I assume. A, a python from like four feet away, you're goddamn right, it would go right through that vest. Even after going through the door? It would, yeah, it would go through him and then the wall, or the door, then, you know, him, and then the wall and a tree outside. <laughs> uh, pretty pretty much just keep going until uh, the bullet gets bored. Oh, got it. Okay. But no, it's, you know, it is beta, so it might have been able to penetrate the vest, but not his giant chest, for all we know. Yeah, and if the ISS hadn't have uh, fallen into the atmosphere and burned up uh, in The Walking Dead, because it would have, uh, then it probably would have hit it, the, the bullet from the python, that is. Oh. Because it would go into <laughs> orbit and hit the ISS. <laughs> of course. See what I'm getting at there? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Anwen, for that. Now, continuing on this theme, Chris in the UK wrote in and says, The bulletproof vest cliche. This one is a cliche for a reason. The alternative alternative is you don't explain how someone sur- how they survive and that wouldn't please anyone either so the idea is um he's saying that you know if 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 they didn't open their shirt to show you the bulletproof vest everyone would be like well why isn't he dead how did he survive that's annoying too yeah i mean part of the cliche well not part of the cliche but a slightly different cliche is uh you know when somebody comes running in and he goes oh then the guy who's shot goes, oh, the vest caught it. And then, you know, go, go, go. And then leave the guy behind. Even though it's a still, you get shot in the, in a bulletproof vest, which is not really bulletproof. It's more, you know, resistant. Bullet repellent. Uh, sort uh, of. It's, yeah. It's uh, a- anti-bullet, anti-momentum. Sure. Uh, it's, it, it helps provide 
a layer of possible protection. I don't know if I put enough qualifiers in there for that, but uh, it's not great, Yeah, but it's better than nothing. Anti-momentum vest just doesn't roll off the tongue as well, though. Well, I mean, that's anti Did I? Is that what I said? You, you, I think you said anti-momentum at one point, yeah. Oh, cool. That would be awesome to have an anti-momentum vest because that would really help in like car accidents, falling from the sky, like you just kind of hit the ground and all your momentum goes into the, into the vest. Right. You could just jump off buildings and land and you'd be you fine. Could jump off the moon. You know what? That's <laughs> how Captain America's shield works because he can jump off vests or vests off buildings, land on the shield and it absorbs all of the impact. Uh-huh. At Except least, for when he throws it at something and it bounces off. I mean, at least originally that's how co- now, comic Now it's a boomerang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, well, whatever. It does that too. <laughs> yeah, Lady Hawk has it now. I'm uh, sorry. What's his name? Um. Yeah, the new Captain America. The new Captain America. Yeah, I guess he will be. Ha- uh, what? Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. Not Lady Hawk. That's no. <laughs> N- nor Hawkeye. Falcon. I've been thinking of him as Lady Hawk for so long. Right. Okay. Well, that's not him. Uh, anyways, Chris goes on to say, just out of interest, do we really want Judith coolly shooting a defenseless person between the eyes? Judith. I buy that she doesn't take the second shot. Rosita, Gabriel, Aaron all take that shot. So but, he's questioning whether we want to see Judith specifically sort of blindly shooting people like that. Well, I don't know about defenseless, but you know, you don't shoot somebody without, you don't shoot through a door. You verify what you're shooting at. You do, but you also know that it's beta outside that door. I mean, it, I, I guess you don't know for sure, so. Well, yeah, there's, you know, you, you get a pretty good chance, but yeah. it could, it could be anybody really. I mean, Rosita wasn't far away. She was clearly in the house, right? So I, I get what Chris is saying. Um, I think to answer the question, my answer would be yes. I do want Judith coolly shooting people like that when she needs to in self-defense. This situation is a little bit more gray because... She couldn't see through the door, but Beta was definitely not defenseless. Come on. Well, no, of course not. So I, I don't mind Judith shooting people, he, but maybe know her target. Defenseless, you know, he, he has, uh, you know, a big ass knife and he's as big as a hill giant, mm-hmm. right? And he's a bit of a lich. Uh, so he's not entirely defensive, defenseless, but he doesn't have a firearm. So, you know, bringing a hill giant to a python fight uh, is not really fair. <laughs> it is a hill giant. It is, but hill giants can't dodge bullets. It's, there's a reason you don't have uh, handguns in D&D, even though you kind of do now. Right. Well, I mean, this is a gray area of the situation, but standing out in the road, Judith holding the python, Beta bearing down on her with a knife with clearly in, the intent to harm, I yeah. think she needs to take that shot. And I'd be okay with I- it. Yeah, I'd be okay with the two, but I, on the other hand, I'm also okay with the fact that a 12-year-old girl didn't shoot a grown man in the face. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> All right. Tough one. All right, next we have George on the Facebook uh, writes, Love the Halloween homage. It's a typical horror movie trope to underestimate your enemy, so I had no issue with that. Right, and... Uh... What's he referring to? Underestimate your enemy. So maybe leaving, leaving beta on the ground and not double tapping. Yeah. Don't shoot him in the face, you know, just to make sure. It's like, I shot him. He's got to be dead, right? He's got to be dead. Let's just move on. Yeah. That's a horror movie trope. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, Jennifer in Minneapolis writes, is Jason going to talk about how clean and perfectly neat that tunnel is in all its symmetrical glory and that it's big enough for a hill giant or lich to walk through standing up? I'm disappointed in you, Jason. Everybody's favorite nitpicker has let me down. But in all seriousness, wasn't that tunnel just a bit too perfect? Well, you know, I spent a lot of time complaining about the tunnels before, and I talked about the only, uh, the tunnels or caves or what have you. Uh, and I've talked about my only real experience with, uh, well, I've had two experiences with caves. Uh, one where I almost became the king of the Malaysian monkeys. Remember that story? That took place in a cave. Yep. Okay. <laughs> it was a really, 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 really big cave. Right. But it was okay. still a and cave. The, and the other one was the, uh, the caves just up north, uh, from here a little bit, uh, out by Peterborough, there's uh, a bunch of caves and I was walking through the woods with my, uh, girlfriend, now wife. And, uh, we're like, well, okay, where are these caves? And all we saw was this crack in the ground and two women crawled out of this crack in the ground. And we're like, did, were, were you in there in the caves? <laughs> yes. Does it get any bigger inside there? Not really. Okay. I'm not going in there. Yeah. Like. Uh, there's no way I, I had a hard time looking into the crack. I don't know how these people came out of this crack in the ground. I don't understand. It didn't make any sense to me. So those are my two experience with caves. Either they're really flipping huge or they're too small for human beings, even though I clearly saw human beings get out of them. Well, I, the way I imagine that situation, I don't think I'd want to go in that crack in the ground either, but sounds, uh, I don't know. You gotta be the right kind of person, I guess. So yes, these caves were. They, they were obviously sets, right? Like they, they looked too perfect. Uh, the walls were smooth, but that can be explained by, you know, water flowing mm -hmm. through them, smoothing up the walls over time, being sandstone. The, they had flat floors, which didn't make any sense. Well, Why would a cave have a flat floor? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, Jennifer was talking about the tunnel, not the, not the mine or the caves, right? What so, tunnel? The tunnel into Alexandria that um, under the RV that Beta walked no. through. That was a cave. That was an entrance to the cave system. It was, he was clearly in the caves again. Oh, we went over this last, last podcast. It's assumed that they dug a tunnel, or at least part of a tunnel, from wherever the RV is under Alexandria into the grave. Oh, I assumed that he went into the cave, walked through the cave for a while, and then dug a tunnel when he got close to Alexandria. Well, that could be it, but I don't think so. Because when I he... think that RV was part of the cave, not a tunnel system, because no. it was all flat and grassy. If you're digging a tunnel, you got to put that dirt somewhere. If, it was, if that was the entrance to a tunnel, there'd be a big friggin' pile of dirt sitting outside of the RV. Well, sure. You have to put the dirt somewhere. Um, but we, that didn't even come up a couple nights ago. However, I mean, you could also assume that they've dug this thing and moved the dirt somewhere else or spread it out. But when he drops down in that hole under the RV, that's not a cave. That is a clearly, to me, looked like a dug tunnel that was just way too perfect, which is what Jennifer's getting at. Oh, no, I assumed that was a cave. That's why this didn't come up. I think it was just, I assumed that everybody thought that. No, and the whole reason I think it was so dumb is that the implication was that there was this tunnel for who knows how long from this random spot into Alexandria. And that no, just seems so it, ridiculous. Well, still digging, digging a tunnel from anywhere under Alexandria is dumb. Yeah. But, uh, the cave system getting anywhere near them is, uh, is even dumber. I'm going back to the footage here. All I'm right. I'm going to take a look at him dropping down into this cave, into this, well, whatever. Uh, okay. So he's lighting, 
the lantern that some other zombies or walker or whisperer is handing him. Oh, bear with me. I don't want to skip ahead because. Right. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> yeah. That kind of looks like a tunnel. Well, that's what I no, thought immediately. It, oh, that kind of looks like a cave too. I assumed it was a cave. It was the same coloring as the caves, but that might've been because of lanterns. Yeah. That's right. Or so torches. <laughs> I assume that this, because he said that there was, uh, somebody said that there was cave entrances all over the place, right? There was a whole cave system. There's like multiple entrances. Uh, they fell down one entrance. They came out another entrance. There's another entrance where all the walkers went in. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're looking for entrances all over the place. I assume that this cave system, and when you have a lot of caves like this underground, there's a lot of entrances. All right. It's well, it's just going to be like five or six. So I assume this was an entrance to a cave. He walked through the cave to get close to Alexandria and then they had tunneled into a grave. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, before we put this to bed, because clearly there's a lot of confusion here. There are, there's a cave system. There are, there's a mine somewhere with multiple entrances to the mine, which also connects mine. to the cave system. Yep. And then there is potentially, um, well, there's also the sewers under Alexandria, which we've been in. Mm -hmm. And then there is this, this tunnel that the, uh, whisperers may have dug. So there's four different things going on here. And I don't think it's clear to anybody exactly what the geography of all this is and how they used it and how Beta uses it to move around. Yeah. Obviously it's the entrance to the Underdark. Well, there's that too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they all encounter drow. Do you know what a drow is? Nope. Underground, uh, underground elf. Gray. Oh, cool. <laughs> Well, maybe that's next and that'll just further confuse everything. So yeah. anyways, even if the cave, the tunnel was dug only a little bit, like for off the cave system, um, you know, maybe we didn't see any of that part, but whatever beta dropped down into seemed a little too perfect to me and to Jennifer, but I, I, I'd have to go back and look at it again. Okay. So one of the reasons I, I assumed it was a cave was that there's no buttressing of this tunnel, right? You dig a, you dig down into dirt and then you start digging sideways. That whole thing's going to collapse in on you before you get 50 or 60 feet. And unless you put up like some kind of support system for that. The mm -hmm. mine had the supporting uh, beams and shit. Uh, this tunnel would need some kind of support support to hold up the dirt roof unless it was a natural cave which would have, I don't know, naturally magically formed. I have no idea how, but caves form and they have enough support that they can not be not caves. Right. And you didn't see any of that, but. I didn't see any of that. I sort of chalked that up to them just being not on the ball with this a little bit. You know, they needed a, a convenient tunnel into Alexandria and they invented one and didn't put enough thought into it, which is even worse. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the, uh, one of the 12 magic swords that I talked about last week would, uh, would do that. There was, uh, it was stone cutter. That's it. There was a sword <laughs> called stone cutter, which could cut through sword, uh, cut through stone, like, uh, a hot knife through butter. Yeah. Well, bottom line is there's a lot of confusion here and I don't think the show did a very good job of making it clear. Yeah. So, so there you go. sorry, 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 Jennifer. I didn't uh, complain enough for you, but hopefully this made up for it. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> 
All right, next we have an email. Oh, it's not an email. It's Melissa on the Facebook. I'm going to keep calling it the Facebook. I don't care. Sure. Uh, all right. Uh, Melissa writes, what was up with them changing at, uh, sorry, charging at beta rather, rather than shooting him from the woods uh, and no one chased him? What happened to the days when they could headshot a moving walker from 50 feet? Beta is roughly the size of a barn and none of them hit him at all? Come on. So what she's saying is why not shoot at beta from your hiding spot in the woods instead of like jump out and give him an opportunity to run away? Oh yeah. And uh, actually um, uh, Rosita did the same thing. She yelled, hey, and got his attention, then attacked him. Oh yeah. Right. Just run up to him and bash him. Like why give him a chance? It didn't why? work. It didn't work for Laura though. She snuck up, put a knife to it or put a thing to his, big thing to his neck and still got killed. Well, that's because she put it to his neck. Right. She didn't actually put it through his chest. Yeah. Well, yeah, she, first of all, should have just stabbed him uh-huh. with it or it was a, it, it's a tough weapon to go inside with though. Cause you know, a pole arm is meant for, you know, having enough room to swing it. Mm-hmm. You know, she's uh, in close quarters like that. Hopefully she would be smart enough to have a backup weapon. And I think she did, but she used the pole arm anyway. So yeah. A spear, you know, that would be a good alternative to a pole arm. A nice short spear or a javelin or a knife or a Chris. Chris is a weapon. I don't know if you know that. Well, I'll look Probably. it up when I have a chance. See, it's a sword with a wavy blade. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was other options. So everybody, I guess he has, uh, he has the, uh, the Negan protection. Nobody killed Negan for a long time. And I guess it's the same with Beta. Everybody gives him a chance. And then when they have a chance to put him down, they don't. Yeah. I mean, to be fair though, it's the same now with a bunch of characters, including Alpha and Daryl. So a lot of people have this power at this moment in yeah. the show. Lots of drama, lots of action, no consequences. None at all. All right. Next is a call from Graham. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Graham from Newcastle upon Tyne in UK. I just want to give a bit of a comment about Beta's uh, miraculous survival from uh, little ass kicker coming out with the python. I guess I'm thinking she would have come out just like a dad, come up. He's the only threat there. She would have kicked his feet, realized he's still not awake when he groans, gasps, sighs, whatever. He would have shot him in the face and killed him. Come on. Why would you leave a huge hulk like Beta to become a zombie in your own home? Just a quick comment. It's, it was preposterous. The drama is all linking together between all the scenes. Deal with one situation at a time. That's all I want to say. You guys have a great night. Bye now. Thanks, Graham. I should have played this a couple of minutes ago, but um, that's the best point I think made. Graham, you're a genius. Whether he's alive, or even if, even if he's dead, you need to shoot him in the head so he doesn't just get back up again and be almost just as dangerous walking around your house. So there's, I am flabbergasted. There is no reason not to pop, put one in his head at that point. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't considered that. Didn't even think about that. Graham, you're, you're an absolute genius. Yes, they would have absolutely stabbed him in the head at the very least. At the very least. But they left him lying there. Yeah. If he's alive, he's alive. If he's dead, he'll become alive. Let's just leave him. He'll be fine. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Nobody's really dead until they're dead, dead. And they should have known he wasn't dead, dead because he got shot in the chest. So dumb, dumb, dumb. dumb. 
Um, next, we have an email from Jordan, and this one is an email from Jordan in Japan. Uh, Jordan writes, I've been happy about The Walking Dead uh, jump in quality ever since Angela Kang came on. However, I think it's been regressing ever since we saw a group charge blindly into a dark cave. I hope the last week's video game obstacle course in the cave was a single misstep, but now I'm seeing a pattern. I can excuse the uh, villain's Negan powers, that is, nobody takes a clear shot to kill them, but the thing that crossed crossed the line was that poorly equipped whisperers tunneling under Alexandria and emerging from soft ground magically held in place instead of caving in. The only explanation I can think of is that the whispers have not uh, have not only an army of are not only an army of beavers, but also an army of moles. Right, you got that out. They don't. They have not only an army of beavers, but also an army of moles. So, I guess they must if they're digging tunnels like that. Uh, yeah, do moles dig tunnels? Moles travel right. underground, don't they? That's kind of what they're known for. They, I guess they do dig. That's they dig burrows at least. Yeah, they dig burrows. But if you dig, you know, put seventy five burrows together, you got yourself a tunnel. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Or so ants. So get 70, 75, what, well, ants dig tunnels. They do, for sure. There's some, there's some crazy ant colonies. I, I remember in, uh, I watched a documentary in Africa where they took this ant colony and they poured uh, cement down the holes. Yeah. And waited for it to harden and then uh, dug all the dirt out around it. And they saw the, uh, the pattern of uh, what the tunnels all looked like. And it was flipping huge and really cool. That's pretty neat. I've heard of similar, I think termites live like that too, don't they? Sometimes yeah. in, yeah. in burrows underground and there's some giant termite colonies in the world. So. It felt kind of bad for the ants. Kind of freaky. It yeah. Cemented them all in, but <laughs> yeah. whatever, they're ants. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I may have said this before, but I used to know a uh, professor at a university here in Toronto and he was doing a study involving fruit flies and they went through yeah. a lot of fruit flies. And he mm-hmm. said to me one time, it's like, you know, you can't do this kind of thing with other animals because they're animals, but fruit flies, no one gives a fuck about fruit flies. <laughs> no, no one does. No. <laughs> so not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Todd in the Twin Cities wrote in and said, did you notice the walker attack the whisperer that Daryl hit with a bolt at the river crossing? The whisperer was carrying a rifle which may be why Daryl targeted him first instead of Alpha. When the rifle-toting whisperer let out an arg of pain and dropped, the walker behind him pounced and began feeding on him. The same thing happens to the whisperer that Daryl stabbed in the head just before he and Alpha began fighting. When Daryl leaves Alpha to confront some approaching walkers, one and then another hunker down, to dine on the whisperer who got stabbed in the head. Have we seen this before? Walkers feasting on fallen whisperers? Is this some advantage? Is there is there some advantage our heroes could gain from this behavior? So what Todd is saying is you take out a whisperer in a crowd of walkers and yep. they react like a human, which gets the attention of some of the walkers nearby and messes up the whole traveling with the herd thing that the whisperers do. Yeah. There's a definite advantage there. I think so too, actually in, in so, a really good one. Cause you really only have to hit one guy. And as long as he gets some attention that could just ripple through the entire group. And like all of the whisperers are going to have to, um, well are in trouble at least. Right. So yeah, you start sniping the whisperers. It's not like they can run away if they're in the middle of a friggin' herd. Right. 
because that'll draw attention as well. So, so they just have to continue walking their very slow meandering pace and you just pick them off. Yeah. I think there's a huge advantage here if you have the ability to stay at a distance, right? Yeah. I think what Carol needs to do is uh, pick up her bow again and get as good as Legolas and be able to hit anything he aims at. Right. I think so. And Sorry, uh, you know who Legolas is? Yes, I, I know that at least. <laughs> you could okay. have said Hawkeye though. He already came up once this podcast and I know who that is too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Hawkeye <laughs> is basically Legolas. Even Iron Man called him Legolas. So See? take that. There you go. Well, anyways, I, I think- went, I went to the source. Yes, you did. I think that uh, somehow our heroes, as Todd calls them, needs to use this to their advantage because I think it's a good idea. Yeah, you just need a good uh, sniping weapon, like a crossbow, let's say. Yeah, exactly, like a crossbow. <laughs> yeah, and an infinite number of bolts. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that. You just need to get a couple good shots off, and that could cause enough chaos there to just, you know, the whole thing have the whole thing fall apart. That's true. Yeah. What they need is a an army of Ewoks. <laughs> Those, I think yeah. if they had a bunch of Ewoks, they could solve this problem. Ewoks are pretty resourceful, it seems. And mean and nasty. They were going to eat Luke Skywalker. Yeah, They're that's like, true. They, they captured him and like, fuck it, we're roasting this guy. <laughs> like, Ewoks are not to be trifled with. No, no, yeah, we're eating this guy. We haven't eaten human in a long time. This will be a delicacy. <laughs> Yummy Jedi. That's we right. haven't had a Jedi in years. Yeah, really. They don't come around here much. They're very rare. <laughs> we used to eat them all the time. All the time. All right. Next, we have a call from Scott. Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Scott from Arkansas. Just got a few comments regarding this latest episode. Uh, and after having listened to the podcast, uh, just kind of have some feedback for uh, some of the things that y'all brought up. First, I want to say how much I loved how Gabe was a badass in this. I think he's he may be a man of God, but he's been pushed to his limits, and I like how he kind of came across strong in this. When uh, you have the scene with um, Daryl taking on uh, Alpha and the uh, the Walkers for the first time, when he shoots the one with the arrow, he does that on purpose because he wants information out of Alpha because he thinks that she can tell them where Connie and Magna are. For some reason, I don't know why. So he intentionally shoots a... Um, whisperer to bring him down to distract the walker herd so as to make it easier for him to take on the rest of the walk of the rest of the whisperers and then get to gamma uh, as far as the abandoned gas stations concern hey here in the united states in the south there are gas stations from the 70s and 80s that are abandoned they're sitting there just looking like that so that's not hard to believe that they would find one like that in the zombie apocalypse regarding alpha and why she didn't just walk in and shoot Daryl with a shotgun. Uh, kind of like y'all mentioned, I don't even think she has shells for the shotgun. I think it's a prop to intimidate people. Remember, she was severely injured and had lost a lot of blood. She was staggering as she was walking up to that gas station, so she didn't have the strength to go and confront him on her own at that point because of her weakness from blood loss. Uh, as far as how Beta knew how to go find the cell right where it would be, that's why Dante was there all along. He was feeding all that information the whole time that he was in camp there in Alexandria, so he probably gave them a general idea of where things were located at. And my final thought, uh, as far as Rosita and Mary at the end, I don't think Rosita's being a bitch by saying, hi, I'm Rosita, hi, I'm Mary. 
I know. That was more of her acknowledging, yes, I know your name is Mary, and I acknowledge you as Mary. You're not just a prisoner. I, she's acknowledging her humanity and giving her some respect in that way. So that's my own little shotgun review to this episode. The episode wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. I liked it okay. My main gripe about the show, the last two episodes, is they've got to do a better job of lighting those nighttime, dark, or in a cave scenes. They can do better. They gotta do better. It's pissing me off that I can't see what's going on. But that's all I've got. Uh, Thanks for all you do. Keep up the good work. Bye. Fantastic. Thank you, Scott. So lots of points in there. But the ones I wanted to address mostly, I think, were, um, you know, we complained about, or maybe you did, complaining about Daryl not just taking a shot at Alpha, instead shooting the other guy. And I think Scott makes a good point. It's that, A, he used that, uh, that guy to distract some of the walkers, so he might have less to deal with. But also, he may want to keep Alpha alive so that he can get information from her and find out how best to get back into the mine to rescue Connie and Magna. Okay, I can live with that. I mean, it's not the best explanation, but it's also not the worst. Well, either way, it's not clear, right? Well, I I guess so it's not clear, but shooting the guy to distract the walkers, I do feel like is a pretty decent explanation, actually. Rather than just charge in and have to fight off everybody, now he's created a diversion, so to speak. Wouldn't... Shoot Alpha for the distraction and get information out of somebody else. Yeah, maybe, but he might be thinking that only she knows, right? She keeps a pretty uh, heavy thumb on everybody, so. But doesn't he know where the cave entrance is now? Because they came out of the cave entrance? He does. He was there, actually. (laughs) So what information does he need? Doesn't he ask, where is she? Is he looking for Lydia? Um, well, I think, I think, yeah, yeah, he knows where that cave entrance is. Maybe he just wants to know where there's other cave entrances or, or how to get back to the section that caved in, you know? Grasping at straws a little bit. Well, why would Alpha be the only one who knows, right? Obviously, all these people came out of the cave, mm-hmm. so they all know the cave system. So shoot Alpha as a distraction rather than somebody else. Yeah, two birds with one stone, kill Alpha and cause a distraction. Yeah, or maybe he wants to not kill Alpha so that uh, he can bring her as a present to uh, Carol. Yeah, maybe that's true too. He I knows. brought you a pleasure torture vi- victim. victim. <laughs> yeah. You may now torture her. Proceed with the torturing. Um, maybe, maybe he thinks that'll make Carol feel better. No, I don't think he believes that. I think he knows that it won't make her feel better. Anyways. Uh, what else about, uh, what about you think though, um, Beta knew where the cell was because of information from Dante. I mean, it doesn't explain that, uh, no. how he knew she'd be in the cell. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. He just came out of the ground and happened to come through a grave. Fine. I mean, for the imagery, fine. Uh, he walked into the nearest house, killed a couple of guys, got some body armor, uh, and then knew where the cell was. Right. Because of Dante, why would, would, Dante might say there is a cell, uh, but did we know that Dante was successfully giving information to the whispers? We did. Remember we saw him out in the, out in the forest, putting a little tin in a tree at one point. Right. So, so was, I assume he would give them a map of what Alexandria, what the inside looked like. 
I think that's probably a safe assumption. But again, there's, all of these things we're talking about are assumptions and we're sort of figuring them out on our own, which is yeah. okay, which is not, you know, the end of the world. They don't have to show us everything or tell there's, us everything. Yeah. There's bigger holes than how did he know where the cell was? I suppose. Yeah, that's true. And for all we know, he created all those zombies, let them out into the streets. And during the chaos, he looked around and found it. Maybe he asked the zombies where they, where the cell was because <laughs> they would right. have residual memories from their life. Right. right? So they, maybe he assumed one of the zombies was a, uh, a guard and he asked it in uh, zombie speak. And since he's a lich, he can communicate with the zombies. Well, you see, there's multiple explanations then, right? Well, yeah. Tons. All of which are bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, is it time to move on? It is. Is it me or you now? It, it is you. Okay. This is Ryan in Indiana. Ryan writes, one problem I had with your analysis of Stalker was when both of you had a problem with the scene where Alpha's minions, or zombies, are called by Alpha to find Daryl inside the building. My thought when watching this is that Alpha did this because she couldn't see Daryl. There seemed to be a lot of obstacles inside the building. I took it as she used the walkers to find Daryl so that he wouldn't be able to attack her using the element of surprise. This made a lot of sense to me because of Daryl's superior strength. In addition to the element of surprise, Daryl would have been easily able to take Alpha out. Alpha knew this, so she didn't want to risk being surprised by Daryl, so she asked her walker friends for some help. Seems reasonable. She used minions. Whether it's to kill him or to flush him out or smoke him out or find him or cause a distraction or whatever, she used her minions. Yeah, but specifically because if she wandered around in there, Daryl could be hiding and jump out and, you know, kill her before she even knows what's going on. Um, I didn't get the feeling that she was, had, there was any question about whether or not she knew where he was hiding. It's, I, I feel like she knew he was right behind that bench there, but um, maybe. Maybe that's yeah. why she wanted to use the walkers, or maybe they just thought it would be a more fun scene to put Daryl in a little bit more trouble. Yeah, and you uh, you would be hard-pressed to uh, catch me walking around in a gas station garage uh, without having somebody scouted out for me. In the zombie apocalypse, or just in no, general? just in general. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you never know what could be hiding in this place. Uh, I used to work at a gas station. I know what goes on in those places. Ooh, geez. I don't even want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you some stories. Someday. Someday. All right, next we have an email from Martin in Sweden. When we get to follow Alpha as she's walking into the garage, we can clearly see that she's being very careful. My initial impression on why Alpha didn't just go for Daryl is that she's, she really can't know for sure uh, if he hasn't set a trap. Or is just trying some ambush ninja stuff on her. So the reaction I read for, from her was more like, fuck it, I'll let the walkers deal with them instead of risk, risk walking into that. So same idea from Martin and Sweden here. Uh, so clearly it's a thing that people thought of when they saw this, but never really occurred to me in the moment. Yeah, that's true. So you know what I would do now that I think about it, is that if I had to go into a gas station garage uh, and look for something or anybody or anything... I would let loose a bunch of fruit flies because who gives a fuck about fruit flies, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and they would just kind of fly around and tell me at least where the fruit was. Yeah, very. Because I assume I'm looking for fruit if I'm going into a gas station garage. Yeah, of course. You're looking for fruit. You're hungry. And, and we all, all know that time flies like the wind and fruit flies like bananas. They sure do. 
<laughs> Very good. All right, thanks, you guys, for that take on that scene. Here now we have a call from Lee. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Lee in St. Catharines, and I got some feedback for Stalker. <clears throat> so my my nitpick picnic today is that uh, Lydia carved that name in that desk. So either she did that before she saved Daryl, and he's bleeding out, and she takes, you know, 5, 10, maybe 20 minutes to carve that in. It's a pretty big phrase and with a small knife, and she really took some time. It was really dug in deep, so it took some time to do that. So either she did that before she saved him, or saved him there with with what, I don't know, then carved it and then left, or left, saved him, and then came back and carved it. Just seemed a little weird thing to do when someone's, you know, either dying or needs to be cared for, and I'm going to take some time to carve, carve a phrase into a desk. I thought it was kind of weird. Uh, my second thing that I thought, that Jason said that he hadn't had a drink since Jasper was born. Um, I thought that was absolutely hilarious because it reminded me so much of Herschel, how Herschel stopped drinking the, the day Maggie was born, and so Jasper, you know, 20 years down the road from now, when the real apocalypse happened, he's talking about his proud old dad. He's like, oh, yeah, he stopped drinking the day I was born. Uh, just thought it was funny that he was so similar to Herschel. Okay, talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks, Lee. And now Jason's growing out his beard, so he's even more similar to Herschel. Well, it's just a longer goatee. It's not really a, a full beard. No, I know, but still. It's it's not like I drank a lot before. No. <laughs> it's just a happened to be that I haven't had a drink since Jasper was born. Yeah. And mainly because, uh, you know, if ever I had to drive him somewhere and at the last minute, I didn't want to be fucking hammered when it happened. Well, sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, you could have a Coors Light or something, though, and it's probably be fine, but. No, I wouldn't be fine. It's Coors Light. Yeah, you, yeah, I know. <laughs> Why it's, would I be fine drinking a Coors Light? Most popular beer in the world, my friend. <laughs> well, I'm enjoying water lately. Not talking about quality, though, so. Yeah. No, I'm just, I've never been much of a drinker. Uh, I mean, for years now, yeah. For a long time. Oh, well, more of a binge drinker, but I've never been like a steady drinker. Yeah, yeah. At all. Fair. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Lee, for that. Didn't Lee have another point? Other than oh, it was about sorry. Yes, we got sidetracked on the drinking thing. Uh, it was um, it was whether Lydia like carved into the table and then saved <laughs> yeah. Daryl, or saved Daryl then came back and carved into the table. It does seem like something you don't need to prioritize when somebody's like almost dead on the ground beside you. Uh, okay, so you walk into a place, not a garage. Just let's just say you walk into a place, and you find uh, <clears throat> let's say it's uh, a subway. You walk into a subway restaurant. Okay, you walk into a subway restaurant. Well, that kind of defeats what I was going to say. Let's say you walk into a living room, somebody's living room, and you find uh, the aftermath of a fight. Uh You have this guy lying on the ground with, uh, you know, arterial bleeding. He's passed out, but (laughs) your blood's still pumping, and it's still an artery that's not healed. So there's like a fountain going on. Uh, So he's, and if it's not going on, that means there's not a lot of blood pressure left, and uh, he's in trouble. Anyway, he's in serious trouble, and your mom is lying on the ground. Right. So you go to your mom, and you lie. You sit down next to your mom, and she says, "Kill me," uh-huh. and you say, "Nah, I'm just going to let you lie there." And then you uh, you decide, well, I got to I got to save this guy, and I'm going to leave my mom there because she probably uh, is not going to die, but I don't want to kill her, and she's fine, so I'm going to order a pizza. Right. Because I'm hungry uh-huh. and uh, this is going to take a lot of work to uh, to fix this guy up. So half an hour goes by, pizza arrives, you eat the pizza and you go, okay, now it's time to uh, to leave. And luckily you were smart enough to order two pizzas so you can take the, the second pizza and use that to stuff it into his wound to heal the arterial spray because 
uh, you know, pizza <laughs> fixes everything. So now it's stuffed with mud and pizza. Yeah. So it's just, so she, yeah. So she took a lot of time uh, in this, you know, obviously everybody's bleeding and unconscious. Uh, she decided to carve a message in the off chance that her mom survived the night. Well, right. And uh, even if you assume she like actually did help Daryl in some way, stabilized him somehow, let's just say she could do that. Uh, then yeah, she takes the time to carve this into it anyways. And if it's even more ridiculous where she gets Daryl out of there and then comes back, I mean, you'd think the next step would be do something to help the other person, even though it's someone you don't really agree with anymore, (laughs) which is a nice way of putting it, but still, you know. And then she miraculously drags Daryl down the street and props him up against a tree and decides that's good enough. Well. I mean, and then orders orders another pizza. Right, it's pizza time, baby. It's always pizza time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just it it does seem a little odd. It's it's all very weird, and I feel like we're just ripping this episode apart for all of this this stuff that comes across as so so dumb, really, uh, or maybe dumb isn't the right word for this, but kind of just confusing and inexplicable, you know. People well, not acting like people is kind of the problem. Okay, we're forgetting something very important here. It's a TV show? Well, sort of related to that. Okay. This universe that they're in is not our universe. Like yeah. We know that the laws of physics are different, right? Heads are very soft. Yeah. People heal very quickly, right? The yeah. reason probably zombies exist is that humanity has evolved to heal very quickly and it's gotten to the point where it's gotten out of control and you can heal for, from death. Whoa. Maybe they're not infected. Maybe this is just the way humans are in this universe. Interesting theory. That, okay. So that they're so well at healing that they can actually heal from death unless you really kill them. <laughs> right. Unless you really, really kill them. Yeah. So finally humanity has evolved to this point. So we know that people can heal very quickly. So leaving a bleeding person on the ground is not a death sentence or, uh, maybe arterial damage where it's spewing out of your leg is not necessarily the dire situation that it would be in our universe. Right. Well, you might be So you have time to order a pizza or to carve a message. It's like, he'll be fine. I'm just going to carve this message and then I'll drag his ass out of here. Cause she didn't carry him. He's probably way too big. I wouldn't be able to carry Daryl. No way. Or Neither Norman would I. Reedus. No. Nor, nor would I uh, pay the insurance premium to pick him up. Cause <laughs> you imagine how much that would cost if I dropped him. Holy jeez, man. <laughs> you break Daryl, you're on the hook for that. Yeah. For so I would not even attempt it. No. <laughs> so anyway, so I guess that's, we just, have to suspend our disbelief. Yeah. Uh, to the point where, uh, yeah, they're fine. Some of these fine suspend disbelief to the point where this stuff makes sense for these characters. Um, it just feels like that's been, they've been asking us to do that a lot in this episode and the last couple, maybe. Right. Uh, whereas before I didn't feel like they had this problem for a long time. So, yeah. you know, let's get the train back on the tracks here. And that's why humans had to evolve this, uh, magic healing power, uh, in this universe, uh, because they're so soft, mm-hmm. right? Heads are soft and you poke them with a stick and they fucking die. Right. So we have, you have to evolve past that. It's like, so you it's don't, just a, 
sorry, you don't want to walk through a door frame and bump your head and be dead. So that's why we evolved away from that. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a different evolutionary process. Got Us it. in our universe, we've evolved to be a little more hardy. And therefore, uh, when we get damaged to that point, uh, we're fucked. Right. Okay. So we don't have zom- zombieism. Perfect. <laughs> Thankfully, I guess. I've solved the walking dead. You clearly have. <laughs> you clearly have. All right. Who's next? Me. I'm next. So next we have Paul on the Facebook. The walking dead seems to have returned to good characters making bad decisions, and I don't like it. We know they have to set up for a big finale, which is probably, which will probably involve Maggie returning and Carol finally avenging her losses, but this whole battle could have been 99% done in this episode if the characters we are supposed to be rooting for weren't written to be so stupid. Yeah, I don't, I mean, there's not much more to say on that one, I don't think. It's just characters making decisions that don't feel like the things that real people would do. But I in our in our universe. In our universe. <laughs> I was just going to say you kind of explained that. So there you go. Yeah, okay. So they're making decisions based on their universal setup. There's universal understanding and rules, right? That's They're clearly not humans. Clearly not. <laughs> All right. John in Houston writes, "I have loved The Walking Dead since the first episode, but the whispers are getting old and it's time to move on." Also, There are several stories that are being ignored. Where is King Ezekiel? What is happening with Michonne? How about Oceanside? Too many, too many storylines and not enough content. True. Here's the thing though. We'll get to Ezekiel. We'll get to Michonne and Michonne and Oceanside are related right now. So we'll get to that stuff. We're just focusing on a boat. Yeah, they're on a boat, right? So what's going to happen is I have a feeling the Michonne stuff won't come until towards the end of the season. At which point we know Michonne is leaving the show or Denai Guerrero is leaving the show. So that's going to be a whole big thing towards the end of the season and maybe play into the return of Maggie um, in some way. So um, I have a theory that Maggie's going to come back, tell Michonne that Rick is still alive. She knows this somehow. And Michonne is going to leave to go find Rick and therefore leave the show but not be dead. And still able to appear in movies or future Walking Dead or other she shows. She can't. Because the movies take place uh, in the past now, right? We it's don't been know. Years. We don't know. We have no idea what they're doing. Maybe the reason there's no news on the movies is because they had to rewrite them all because they needed to jump them ahead in the future or something like that. I don't know. So Michonne is going to leave her kids to go find her loved one. I bet you she takes RJ and leaves... Judith. Well, she, yeah, you can't, we can't lose Judith, no, right? Just we because can't. we're losing Michonne. So she's going to take RJ because who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Harsh, but, man. <laughs> as a character, not yeah, as a yeah. human being. Yep. Uh, but Judith, you know, we, can, we, we can't lose her. So uh, that's harsh. That's really a hard thing to do. It's like, okay, I'll be back after the movies. <laughs> yeah. You know, bugger off with. With RJ. I, I just have a feeling they're not actually going to kill Michonne off. They're going to have her leave somehow and still be alive. And I think Maggie showing up and saying Rick is still alive is what Michonne would need to leave and go find him. The show made its mark by killing main characters. They sure did. This that, is, this makes me sad. That was almost a decade ago when they were oh really Oh my God, that makes me even sadder. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Why'd you bring that up? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe you should read the next one. It'll distract you. I don't know. 
trying to kill me? All right, next we have an email from Derek uh, who lives on the internet. I just listened to your feedback show and heard you mention Negan's former wives, in quote. Wasn't he trying to get one of them pregnant? As I recall, he was. I can't remember if he had a kid before the whole zombie apocalypse thing happened, but I assume he has not had any children and has always wanted one. This would explain why he might be drawn, drawn to kids in a cool uncle sort of way. So it got me thinking about what would happen if Alpha became pregnant with Negan's one and only child and what type of situation it would lead to if he felt his child, born or unborn, was being threatened. So I double-checked, and Negan did not have any children pre-apocalypse, but there's some indication that uh, he really wanted to start a family with Lucille, you know, his, right. his wife, and they were never able to, or never did, for some reason. And um, so I thought this was fascinating to think, what if, yeah, Alpha just became pregnant with Negan's child, and what does that mean for the Negan-Alpha-Whisperer relationship and, yep. and all that stuff? Well, this is obviously going to happen. You think so? Right? It's it, Why would you have sex in this, in this show without it leading to a pregnancy? Like, it kind of feels like every time people do have sex, it leads to a pregnancy, you know? To some people, it feels like that, just in general. <laughs> in our universe every time or I theirs. have sex, she gets pregnant. I don't know what I'm doing uh, wrong. <laughs> I don't think it's wrong, but... No. Uh, yeah. So I, obviously she's going to get pregnant and this is why she didn't die in this episode. Right. And I feel like uh, this could lead to all kinds of crazy hijinks if Alpha in is in fact with pregnant with Negan's baby. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's hard to even say because it sort of sounds like so redonkulous. Like it's a soap opera. Yeah. Right. We just, we've had somebody fall down an elevator shaft. And like, live. Didn't they heal the, a beta fell down in the elevator shaft. Yeah. That happens all the time in soap operas. Operas. Now we have two opposing factions and they get two of the, the prominent people in those two factions get together and have sex. Kind of a uh, Romeo or, and Juliet situation. Yeah. I mean. Kind of. It's slight, slightly different. This was more sexual harassment and sexual assault. And that was more, uh, you know, they were only 14. It's hard to think about. Anyway, Romeo and Juliet were a couple of stupid kids, right? Fine. It was a teenage love story. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yes. So this is turning into a, a soap opera. Nobody dies. Everybody gets pregnant. Um, and <laughs> it turns into, you know, high drama. And the whole thing was a dream. Well, that would work too. Well, we had, did have a dream sequence. Yeah, I know. Right? But uh, soap operas are known for making, well, Dallas, right? There's a whole <laughs> dream thing about Dallas. I don't want to spoil Dallas, but. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. I didn't yeah. watch Dallas. I should watch Dallas. That'd be fun, actually. Go for it, man. Maybe after this show ends, maybe we should do a Dallas podcast. All right. I'll take I, it under I've never consideration. Seen the whole, I've never seen the whole thing. Have you seen the whole thing? I don't think I've seen any of it. Exactly. Yeah. Then we could be, you know, freaking out about who shot JR. That was Dallas, right? Yes. Yes, it was. This is a good idea. I like this idea. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep it. I'll, <laughs> I'll pencil it in. All right. Go ahead. Uh, with, with another prediction, here is Ted, who also lives on the internet. Maybe him and Derek are roommates. I would assume so. Yeah, of the course. The internet's not that big. No. Ted writes, Carol and Alpha finally meet head to head. Alpha gets the better of Carol and is about to kill her, but an arrow comes out of nowhere and hits her square in the forehead. Camera pans to Lydia. So obviously this is... Out, you know, comes, I think, out of the scene in the gas station where Lydia leaves her mother there and tells her that, 
these people aren't so bad and you never gave me what I needed and so on. So eventually Lydia has to kill Alpha and it's just as Alpha is about to kill Carol, who we all think is going to kill Alpha. The other way around. Well, I mean, her is ambiguous in, in this thing, but doesn't this mean that uh, Lydia comes out and kills Carol? Um, oh, no, I thought it was Lydia killing her mother, Alpha. So Alpha gets the Alpha better of Carol. Alpha gets the better of Carol. Yeah. And Carol is about to kill her. No. But no. an arrow. Alpha gets the better of Carol and is about to kill her. Alpha's about to kill Carol. Oh, Alpha's about to kill her, but an arrow comes out and hits her squarely in the forehead. Carol, yes. Camera pans to Lydia. So Lydia kills so Alpha to save Carol. So her in this case is, uh, who? Alpha. Alpha. Alpha gets the better of Carol and is about to kill her. Well, no, sorry, would... the her is Carol. Okay, I see how I see how it's uh, a little ambiguous, but my reading of the sentence was Alpha gets the better of Carol and is about to kill her, but an arrow comes out of nowhere and hits her square in the forehead. The second her is Alpha because Lydia is saving Carol. Okay. So Lydia didn't kill Alpha so that Lydia could kill Alpha later, exactly. All right. That seemed to make some sense to me. That's Okay. where I got it from. I didn't realize that'd be so confusing. Well, just to me, apparently. Okay. Well, maybe others too. It's only you and me here right now. So. I've, I've never been great at parsing sentences. So, <laughs> and when you're talking about two women and you, and we have, you know, pronouns in there, I get all discombobulated. All right. Well, we've got one more email that you can read and maybe you can see if you can parse it. All right. Jeff uh, writes from Vermont. If the Whisperers sent Dante, sent Dante to Alexandria to spy... Wouldn't logic suggest that she sent spies to other communities as well? Oceanside has had very few scenes since the opening uh, fight training sequence. And when they did, they focused on a new character named Julie, who was a love interest of Luke. If she, unlike Enid Jason, <laughs> turned out to be a spy, this would certainly spell uh, doom for Luke. Of course, with Virgil entering the show and Michonne exiting the show and Oceanside as the backdrop, we have forgotten all about the spies as a plot. I can't figure out if Hilltop has a spy because of their plot right now. Uh, their plot right now is Magna and Yumiko, uh, their relationship issues in an occasional zombie raid. Right. So I think just it would make sense if, uh, if she sends a spy to one community, why not send a spy to all of them? So maybe the new doctor at Hilltop is also a spy. <laughs> Everybody pretend to be doctors. Right. They'll never see that coming. <laughs> Didn't they do that on Lost? Ethan Rom was a doctor. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Anyways. Um, what about the others? They sent somebody to the others. That was, uh, was he a doctor? I, they were all doctors, weren't they? At uh, uh, the, the Dharma Initiative. They were all doctors, weren't they? Doing oh, experiments. Scientists, doctors. I mean. There was scientists. Maybe not medical doctors, but. They had PhDs, maybe. Anyways, I just think- I'm going to have to obviously rewatch Lost again. You are. You've got a long list of things to rewatch. But I think, again, just an interesting theory. I don't know if anything's going to come of it, but it would make sense. If you send a spy to one community, send a spy to all the communities. And maybe Julie, who Luke is in love with, is a spy as well. And that's going to be a bummer because it's not going to end well for Luke, probably. Well, let me ask you this. Sure. You've watched a lot of soap operas. None, uh, but sure. Do soap operas tend to send spies? Um, sure. I don't see why not. Do they? 
Maybe well, not. Well, if you're thinking, it's a kind of a circular argument, but if if The Walking Dead is becoming much like a soap opera and The Walking Dead has sent Dante as a spy, then therefore soap operas send spies. True, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of circular. It doesn't quite get there, but I'll take it. It doesn't quite hold together, but I just thought it was interesting. We haven't seen... Uh, those communities yet in the back half of this season. I think we will going, we will soon and we'll find out what's going on with them. So there you have maybe it. they're all wiped out. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll, we'll get some information about them and find out that the whispers has taken, have taken them out already. Yeah. That would be, uh, skipping the best part. I think <laughs> they sent in beta. Right. And they have uh, a tunnel into, just wipes them out. Oh my God. They have a tunnel into all of them. So he just goes in the night, creates some zombies and then sneaks out. Or they sent uh, Delta or Echo or Foxtrot. <laughs> Whom we haven't met yet. I, I, I forget my Greek alphabet, but I, I've gone to uh, <laughs> the phonetic alphabet. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Foxtrot. That's a Greek letter, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> I assume so. Why not? All right. Finally, just to end things here, we've got a call from Trucker Jim. Hey, guys. Trucker Jim here. The way I feel about this episode Reminds me of Michael Corleone. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Thank you, Trucker Jim. So I guess that means he liked it. Does it? Well, just when I, I thought I was... I assume he liked The Godfather. Well, that, but he says Ser- just series. when I thought I was out, they pulled me right back in. But but that's from Godfather 3, right? Okay, yeah. Which a lot of people don't like. Yeah, I guess so. So it's hard to tell. I suppose it's hard to tell. Anyways, thought it was a funny impression. So thank you, Trucker Jim, for that. All right. That's all the feedback for this week. Thank you everyone for writing in and calling in and sending messages and smoke signals and all kinds of writing letters and stuff like that. That was great. Um, next week on The Walking Dead, the next episode is called Morning Star. So if you would like to do a title read, you can record yourself saying Morning Star in any sort of fancy way you like. And there's a good chance I'll read it or uh, play it on the episode when we recap that one next week. Cool. Now, speaking of next week and the week after, the schedule is going to get a little wacky here, everyone, because as I've mentioned a couple of times, I am taking a vacation with the family and it's, it's a road trip vacation. We are hopping in the old Griswold family SUV and driving from Toronto, where we live, to Orlando, Florida to spend some time at Universal doing the Harry Potter world stuff and all the other fun stuff that they have at Universal, and then spending some time on the beach and then turning around and driving home and visiting some places on the way home as well. So lots of movement, not staying in the same place for too long, a lot of like single hotel rooms with my kids and wife, and it's not going to make you know, the best environment for recording a podcast necessarily all the time. So what are we going to do about that? Well, our best, I guess. And (laughs) (laughs) And I am going to try very hard to find time to at least record the recap episode for next week's Walking Dead and the following weeks. But I must say right now, I think there's very little chance we will do the feedback one just because... I won't have the opportunity and probably not even the opportunity to really go through the emails and the calls and, and prepare for it. So, um, Still while you're driving, well, right? that, you'll have your phone with you. Just, you know, 
Do it while you're driving. Highways are highway drives are boring. You could do email while you're driving. I mean, it's funny. Don't don't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. It's actually funny you say that. Like, if I was by myself and I was on a long drive, and somehow I could like get you on the phone and you could just read all the emails and I could react to it. In theory, we could do that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Just call me. <laughs> yeah, just call. Have you ever called me? Like on the phone phone? Oh, no. Yeah, that's how calls work. Like, yeah, I mean, once in a while, but it's, it's been a long time. I'm not, I can't remember I, last time I called anybody other than my mom and places of business. I mean, my mom calls me. I never call her. <laughs> Makes me sound like <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> it's not true. I call her once in a while. But uh, anyways, that's, that's the deal. Uh, we have to do this. It's going to be super fun. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, not so much all the frigging coronavirus stuff that's going on right now. It feels like that's uh, going to fine. put a damper on the whole thing. I really, you know, I mean, it may sound fun to be quarantined at Universal Studios Orlando, but I really don't no, want to be quarantined anywhere. You're not quarantined at Universal Studios Orlando. You're quarantined in the hotel room at Universal Studios Orlando. Exactly. Right? Doesn't sound and, and fun. And that's a Petri dish. Uh, exactly. That's my, that's what I'm worried about. Like, we're going to have to be pretty careful, I think, because these yeah. theme parks have people from all over the world and you never know what they're coming in. But that being the, that being said, I mean, that's the case anytime you go there. So yeah, just wash your hands. Yeah. Just, just, you know, take the opportunity to wash your hands or use hand sanitizer when you, uh, when you can. Mm -hmm. that, and that's uh, the plan. I'm sure it'll be fine. So uh, the other thing I th someone mentioned to me is like, hey, maybe people stay away. The park will be empty and there'll be no lineups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right? So uh, that would be okay, I suppose. But all that is to say, um, it's going to mess up the podcast recording schedule for the next two weeks. So we're going to do our best. We'll try to get something out for each episode. Uh, but please don't be disappointed if we're late or early or, you know, it actually doesn't happen at all. But that's not the goal. So... That's it. Um, hopefully everything just sort of goes smoothly and people barely notice any difference, but uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. And incidentally, if anyone has any sort of tips for Universal Orlando or Harry Potter World in general that we're really it, going there for. Is then, it really called Harry Potter World I think or is it's, it Wizarding World? I think it's Wizarding World, yeah, but I don't know. Harry are, Potter are your World. Kids, you're going to buy them like magic wands? They're going to go through the whole thing and pick out their own? Magic wand. I don't think they're going to do the wand choosing ceremony, but we are going to buy them the wands. You have to do that. Wait a minute. There's a ceremony? Well, you know how, uh, yeah, there's a ceremony. It costs more, I believe. Well, of course it does. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to do that, but it's not off the table. We'll see. I don't know. At the end okay. of the day though, they're going to get wands and they're yeah. going to wand them at things. Yeah. Just warn them about the, the death spells. Yeah. No, no death spells. Please. Yeah. Have you read the books? You've seen the movies. No, I haven't done either. Wait a minute. All right. Well, I'll talk about this later. I've seen bits and pieces of all the movies because the kids watch them, but I've never sat down and, and watched any one of them all the way through. Well, maybe the first, but I don't remember it really at all. So this is going to be an interesting trip for me because I live in a house with three pretty big Harry Potter fans. Well, two huge ones and one that's still a pretty good fan. And then me who knows nothing. <laughs> So, well, you're a good dad for uh, putting up with that. Oh, it'll be and, awesome. And taking them all the way down there for that. And 
They're going to say, Dad, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I got no idea what you're talking about. That happens all the time anyways. Uh, anyways, the, the, the drive, I think, is going to be fun. I love a good road trip, and um, I'm looking forward to stopping in a few places along the way and along the way back. And I wanted to mention, we are going to spend a night on uh, Jekyll Island, Georgia, on the way back, which is the beach that they shot The Walking Dead on where they were training and where all those like driftwood pieces are. So I'm going to get to go see cool. that. Yeah. Awesome. That'll be neat. Uh, anyways, that's on the way back. So that's it. That's, that's just what it's going to be like for the next couple of weeks. And then after that, we should be back to normal, assuming we're not quarantined somewhere. Hooray. Hooray. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with us uh, for any other reason, uh, visit the website, click on send voicemail at the top. You can record a message. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or send your emails to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. All right. So uh, who knows when we'll talk next time, but it should be soon until then though. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.